Do you oh, ever yeah. think in your life you would have like a duck in your bathtub? <laughs> Episode 48 of the Anchor Me Farm podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Kara. And we have guests today. Yay. <laughs> Introduce yourselves. Well, I'm Mike, and this is Jess, and we're from Goodwin's Farm 207. 207 is the area code for Maine, in case you're not familiar. Was Goodwin Farm already taken? Did you have to add? Yeah. Yes, there yeah. was actually already a Goodwin's Farm um, in a different part of Maine. I don't know, I'm not even sure if they're still in existence, but their name still existed. So we, so the website was we added the website or social media handle was taken. Everything. So we had to add the 207 to make it unique. But I like that you yeah. didn't just choose just any number. You chose like the two, the area code for Maine. So that kind of kind of makes it feel like it's on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Even though you kind of were pushed into it, it's, it's like kind of takes ownership of it. Yeah. Took the goat by the horns. <laughs> Literally. Literally. <laughs> so I think Kara has some questions. These are these are farmers from down the road. So they, uh, these are our neighbors. And we're currently in the farm shop. Uh, yes. So that the dogs won't be making noise. And so sadly, you won't hear Aberdeen snoring, <laughs> but uh, it's okay. <laughs> I always get a kick out of that when I'm listening to your podcast, and all of a sudden I hear this like, <laughs> <laughs> somebody's snoring. Yeah. That sounds like a dog. <laughs> we, um, literally put her to sleep. So. I've had to edit out sounds where one of the dogs would just walk up right behind the laptop and shake, and their collar just jingles like mad. And like, okay. And, and you can see on the graph and the audio graph is like filling up with noise <laughs> they're a problem so that's why we're out here because they would never settle if they were company so yeah <clears throat> so we do have a few questions that Kara wants me to read <laughs> yeah she, she takes wanna... the lead He's... all right I guess let's start with what kind of farm do you have um that's a great question <laughs> so because there's all these definitions for farms now like mm -hmm. oh is it a hobby farm is it a family farm is it a homestead and I have yet to really find the definition between what a homestead is versus a hobby farm because it seems very very similar mm -hmm. and I mean I've gone to Dr. Google and <laughs> tried to find out and it seems like you know there's really not a lot that's different so I would say it's a hobby farm slash homestead because yeah. a lot of what we do is um, we raise we try to raise as much of our own food as we can, and that's kind of we kind of started it because of well I don't know if you want me to say this or you want to say it but go for it okay. we kind of started it um, restarted the family farm because I grew up in Windsor and uh, the farm that we have now was actually built in the seventies by my grandfather and he was a pig farmer, had like two, 300 heads of pig at the time. And then my parents purchased it from them back in, I think it was the nineties at some point. And, uh, we did like a small family farm because my dad, uh, really believed in like raising our own food and we always called it his critters. He mm -hmm. loved his critters. <laughs> so, um, I moved back to Windsor in early 2000s and I actually didn't have animals other than chickens for like a long time and then I didn't have any animals for a while um, I went through some life changes and then back in 2020 when everybody else kind of started the boom of homesteading I guess you could say it um, we restarted but that's not why we restarted it because my son at the my oldest son at the time was moving out and he was moving away and I think it was kind of a combination between wanting to grow healthier food for our family and a little bit of empty nest syndrome oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. let's replace the kids and all that with um animals so it, yeah. <laughs> it kind of started with I think it started with a rabbit first actually I was like let's get bunny they're cute and they're fun and then we got chickens and then ducks ducks and, and then goats mm -hmm. and then cows oh wow and yeah, we went from not having anything more than cats and a couple dogs to having like six varieties of livestock within probably about as many months, six yeah. months or so. So it's her. Oh, there's absolutely. Always, there's always one person. <laughs> yeah. There's one person in the couple and you don't know who it is until you talk to them. But one person is always bringing animals home. 
and the other person is like <laughs> and if I drove the there'd be so many more if, animals yeah. here <laughs> if, I did, if I wasn't required to go physically get them she would be completely unleashed upon us and then we would have, have everything back there one of our famous one of my famous sayings is don't be mad but right. and then he's always like <laughs> what animal did you get <laughs> immediately followed up by how much did it cost <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was one time where you went to go buy, you went to pick up goats, in a in a quantity that I knew of. And I, you, I, I was away, and I came back, and there was more goats than what I was expecting. Oops. Yes, but and it took you like a week to realize it, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> yes. <it does. laughs> nah. But you have to understand, these other goats, they looked at me, and then of course I had to take them home. <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, I mean, they needed me. That's it. That's all. It was. Yeah, so, that's how Belfast came about. So. Yeah, yeah. We uh, she she does that too. She wants to get an extra one. She's like, oh, they have to have a buddy. He's like, we already have so many. They don't need a buddy. Like, no, no, because the new ones will get bullied, and so they have to have a buddy. We can't get them at anything yeah. less than two at a time. Because then we got three at a time. Yeah. So. It's like a baker's dozen, right? You've always got to throw in an extra exactly. one. Yeah. Do you, though? <laughs> you really do. Apparently you do. I mean, it's it's common. You can, you can tell that joke in Maine about one one person being the person, and it, it everybody laughs across the state. So this is like all of Maine. One person in the couple is bringing animals home. Probably all over, too. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I, I never asked the question outside of Maine. But, yeah, you're right. I pr- probably any rural area that had, where people have animals, there's something. There's always that one. So you said that you your parents bought it back from your grandfather. Was this one of those keep it in the family, buy it for a dollar, or was there a mortgage involved? No, there was a, it was a mortgage involved. Because like sometimes actually, that's that's a way to yeah. provide retirement for somebody. If you, if, like, if you buy it from him with a mortgage... Now he has like money to retire with, right? And so that's a, another way to kind of help. And then the younger people have a normal mortgage that they would have anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a I, we we both like are big into houses and, and like uh, real estate, real estate stuff like that. Thing. But from a regular person perspective, like like oh, how so do we've people? We've had a lot of trouble with real estate, yeah. realtors, and yeah. all the jazz. So that's like I've often thought about like if we had kids and we wanted to leave the house to somebody like what's the best way? Do you do it through your will and probate, or do you do it um, like which method is the best? And, and there's different answers depending upon which. Basically, the answer I've got that always is true is we'll definitely have a will, and then after the will, you can figure the rest out. But make sure there's a will so that nothing yeah. is foggy when you when probate comes along. Right. Yeah. yeah. I definitely mm-hmm. like. I've had some family members that are going through that right now where like a a loved one just passed on and there was a will and then there's like an executor of the will and then, but there was too much vagueness and everything. So then it still led to, you know, some chaos or arguments and stuff. And I, so I've told my parents recently, I was like, you know, if you could be very specific when you leave a will would be great because, you know, not that any of us would argue and you never think you would, but Oh, yeah. You know, at that point in time, it's not just your kids. You've got grandkids and nieces and nephews and all these other people that all have opinions. And I think, you know, in general, I like to think, although, you know, I like to think people generally will want to do what's right. But unfortunately, I found that's not necessarily true in my life either. Yeah. It's very good advice. Be specific. Leave mm-hmm. a will and make sure everybody knows that this is what's happening. Yeah. And yeah, it'll cut down on even... Even if people all want the same things and are all being nice to each other, they don't necessarily agree on what to do. Mm-hmm. So you can still have problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So let's move on from that to later subjects, like whatever Kara's <laughs> next question is. <laughs> Put on my old man glasses real quick. You've already told us what kind of animals we've got. Apparently you have pigeons. Yeah, we have. So the pigeons is kind of a, it's another one of those. Don't be mad, but I just got some pigeon stories because, well, it kind of dates back to, I've always loved birds. Like, I love all kinds of birds. And, you know, when I was younger, I had a friend who actually had, like, a pigeon coop, and I thought it was, like, so cool to go sit in a pigeon coop and, like, have all these birds flying around you, which I know some people don't necessarily like that, but I think it's, like, awesome. So, you know, and then they hit you, and they, like, fly in your hair, and they, like, it's... I don't know. I love it. It's not bats. It's birds. It's cool. I know. So, um, I'm, I have a problem with Facebook. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm going to go on there. So, you know, you have all these, like, rehoming pets pages or, like, these pets mm-hmm. that are, like, available for free, which it's never free because they always come with $100 worth of vet bills. Like, right. they're never, ever oh, free. Yeah. So... But, you know, you get on there and then every once in a while there's, like, this story that you just, like, it pulls out your heartstrings and you're like, I can't just, like, leave this bird in this horrible situation, right? So, there was this lady, she was a travel nurse and she had these pigeons and, like, she could, it was, like, kind of, like, right around the height of COVID. So, it's not like she could just not help people, right? Mm-hmm. And, unfortunately, you know, I... I'm very blessed. I have a very supportive partner that really helps out on the farm, even though he kind of got dragged into this. And I don't take that for granted because, like, this lady would leave for a week or whatever and go help all these sick people and come back and her birds hadn't been fed or watered for a week. So I'm like, all right, yes, absolutely. I will take them in. I don't really, you know, we'll build them this coop. And it was like this, they kind of became a pet and it was really great. And then they started reproducing like mad. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know they reproduced this fast. <laughs> like they were laying yeah. eggs all the time. And like the first, like, because ha- we kind of take try to take more of a, I don't want to say it's a naturalistic approach, but as natural as possible as we can with our animals. Like try to give them their, as much, try to do things as much as close to their natural habitat and how they would live in the wild as you can with domesticated animals because they're all domesticated so they all need human intervention. That's just their reality. Um, So we tried to set up their coop with like natural things and all this other stuff and then they their first hatchlings didn't survive Mm -hmm. which was really sad Um, but then after that they kind of got the rhythm down and like they were hatching two birds at a time. And I was like well you know because we do raise food for food that we raised animals for food and stuff and I was like well you know maybe maybe we could like eat squab like maybe we could learn to like this mm-hmm. I couldn't do it <laughs> I couldn't like I could not process a pigeon I'm like I'm looking at this adorable little bird that I like some of these like you know I was there like the day after they hatched and like right. I was like I, I can't I can't do it I can't do it so we ended up selling a bunch of them that so now we're down to like I think we have one one left that yeah. just you know, has become our our stay pigeon that's our pet that I call it a he, but I don't really know. I think it's a he. Yeah, how like, do you tell a sex of a pigeon? You, it's not the, like a duck or anything. Really, if they lay eggs, they're a female. Well, catch them in the eggs. Like, you know, right. well, and know. it's really hard because in the fact that both the males and the females will lay on the eggs. And the males will lay on them during the day, and the females kind of lay on them at night. And, you know, oh. supposedly they know who their mates are, but, I don't know, ours were all confused, and everybody laid on everybody else's eggs, and it was just, <laughs> you know. But really, it's how they act. Like, the males have a little bit bigger head, and they'll do, like, the mating dance and oh, that kind okay. of thing. Gotcha. And so, but he actually is, he's not a homing pigeon. He's kind of a mixed breed of different rollers and stuff, but he has figured out a way to get out of his run. Okay. And we'll actually, and I don't even know where because we've looked everywhere. There's no holes or anything in it. I have no idea how this bird is getting out. But he'll get out during the day and fly all around our pine trees because we've got a bunch of pine trees on our property. And then he comes back in at night. Huh. And I'm like, as long as he's coming back, I think we're okay. Free range pigeon. Free range yeah. pigeon. Free range. Okay. Like he has this big, huge coop and this big, huge run and, you know, flies around. We had a pair of them, but unfortunately his mate did pass and... Because, again, I have no idea how old these birds were even when I got them. It's been a lot of fun. And, ha- well, for me, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah. The reason Kara reacted the way she did is because she's from New York. Yeah. So pigeons, pigeons are not well-loved. They're, no. they're not pets at all. They're creepy. <laughs> rats. <laughs> that fly. New Yorkers, New Yorkers put pigeons right next to rats. Yeah. And see, like, and if I was like, in New York, I'd probably be that little old lady, like, with a little bag of, like, breadcrumbs sitting on the bench, like, feeding pigeons and having them, like, all over me. And That's a no-go for me. It, chickens were hard enough. Like, sometimes I'm still scared of them when they fly at my head. But Or they're trying to fly past, but they're no. not very good at it. No, they They, they time it wrong. And so you're, they're trying to go from one side to the other. And I, I think the chickens will sit on their shelf and they'll psych themselves up and they'll get ready. They're on a clock now. They're going to T minus five seconds and they're going to jump. And you just happen to walk through while they're on schedule. So, so you end up like ducking backwards as they fly past. And, or not. And yeah. Getting hit by a chicken in the it's head. Like that, Luckily, it's like that kid's thanks. movie Chicken Run and it's like it's falling with style. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They do. They, they like break. The, it's like self-contained parachute. They just kind of 
break their fall to the ground to go places i guess <laughs> so we could tell from your youtube channel you have a lot of dogs so you're rescuing yes. dogs and yes. apparently pigeons so is it is it <laughs> what kind of other we don't, rescues? we don't discriminate when it comes well she doesn't discriminate <laughs> when it comes to rescue and you know it's pigeons or cats or dogs yeah, I mean, I we're not like I wouldn't say we're like an official rescue because we, you know, aren't. Um, I just have mm-hmm. I'm one of those people that I've always loved animals more than people. <laughs> I know that probably sounds horrible, but it's true. Like, yeah. you know, I would rather be, mm-hmm. even when I was little, I'd rather be out with the barn cats or whatever critters we had at the time playing with them because just animals don't judge you. Like, they're, mm-hmm. they're great. Like, so... <laughs> My whole adult life, I've always had dogs, and I've always dragged rescue animals home. And I'm like, well, you know, this dog was on its way to a kill shelter. How can I let it go to a kill shelter? And I've done a lot of classes on dog training and retraining and behavioral stuff with dogs. And so I've taken a lot of dogs in and rehabilitated them and and found them a good home. Because obviously you can't have 500 dogs in your house. If we could, I would. Like, that would just be amazing to just come home and, like, have this pack of dogs greet you. Well, I kind of have that now. It's awesome. So when we started the farm, it gave us – it gave me more room. (laughs) I say us, but it gave me more room to actually be able to, like – to take this on. So the, the problem with that is we have a couple of foster fails. We call them now like dogs that you take into because you're kind of helping someone out or you're, you're avoiding them going into a shelter and then you kind of get attached and the dog stays with you. And I'm also really picky. Who oh, because I'm. you're, you're failing to let go of them. At yes. The so yeah. Like, okay. Or, you know, I'm really, really picky who I will rehome animals to as well. Um, if it's a working dog, I'm not going to rehome it to somebody who's going to live in an apartment because you right. set the dog up for failure oh, yeah. and the human up for failure too, because at that point they think they're getting a pet and really what they're getting is a dog that's going to rip their place apart when they're gone because yeah. it, right. it's bored. Not that all working breeds are working dogs because they aren't like we've watered down our dog genetics a lot and specifically in the U S but again, you can kind of tell which dogs really need a job and which dogs would make a great couch potato. Yeah, their, <laughs> so, ener- their energy has, if they're high energy, it's got to come out somehow. Absolutely. It's going to come out somehow. Mm-hmm. So, And it's, it's, you know, I could talk for dogs about hours. That could be like a whole show in and of itself, <laughs> honestly, because I just absolutely love dogs. I've done a lot of research on them, a lot of studying, and a lot of working with different breeds of dogs. Specifically, like recently, livestock guardian dogs in the more recent years, is what I've really focused on a lot because there's a lot of um, there's just a lot of rescues out there, unfortunately, which you know is sad. And I just I love that breed, and it's kind of it's kind of sad when you stop and think about like what um, some of some breeders have done to some of the genetics of those breeds because they've just been kind of watered down and haven't really lived up to what they were originally bred for. But to your question, as far as no, we don't discriminate. I have eleven cats. Oh my! All of which are because these cats needed homes, or they were going to end up in the shelter. I am not against animal shelters. I think they have a place. I love the fact of what they do, um, but I also think it's sad that we have to have animal shelters because people are responsible when they're breeding their animals, oh, yeah. um, and whether you're paying for a adoption fee from an animal shelter or you're paying a fee for a bad breeder like you're still paying for a dog that you know you know is is been poorly bred or a cat that's been you know overbred or something like that so and unfortunately especially with your working breed dogs I feel like you set them up for failure sometimes because the way some of our shelters are laid out like you're putting this dog that needs room to run and work and mental stimulus like because it's not just the energy levels they also need mental stimulus to be engaged and to not get bored and you're putting them in a 10 by 10 kennel or something you know and so there's no way for them to become their best selves right like so obviously they're going to only digress you know and you can have the most loving staff and it's nothing against the staff it's nothing against the shelters i think it's great what they do and you obviously have to have a heart for animals to work there but it's the fact that you know you're really setting these dogs up for failure at that point like because you know you come in you're a family and you want this dog and you see this dog and you know either way how that dog interacts with you that day that you happen to be out to adopt a dog is really what's going to determine whether or not you take that dog whereas if you take that same dog and you put it in a home for six months and now it's gotten time to 
build trust with humans again and things like that, it's going to be a completely different dog. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they have, like, these clips about, like, you know, it takes three days for them just to kind of, like, de-stress from moving, and it takes, like, another, like, seven like it could take up to seven weeks before they actually start to build trust and six months before you actually really find out what who this dog is, you know, because it can take a really long time for dogs to earn your trust. Livestock guardian dogs, what I've found, you might as well just double those timelines <laughs> because it's like they're just very, they're very independent thinkers. They are just different types of dogs. So when you get them, they are very shy and nervous and scared because they don't know you, you know, and, and they, you've got to, it takes longer to build that trust because you know, like your German Shepherds, they want to be trained. We have two of those too. Like they love to be trained. They love to be like told what to do. They love to learn new things. Livestock guardian dogs are independent thinkers. I mean, and they think on their own because that's how they've been bred. So when they're out with sheep or goats or whatever, you know, they know this sound means coyote. This smell means coyote. This is what I need right. to do. Like they can critically think about things. Not whereas like a lot of your other breeds, like they've been trained how, what to do in certain situations, but they can't necessarily always just think of like, okay, this is a new situation. What do I do now? Yeah, because a regular dog, it's like when you say this, I do this. When you tell me the southern yeah. command, I do that. Whereas a guardian dog has to just Well, when you say guardian dog, it. what breeds are you talking about? Because there is multiple breeds that people distinguish for guardians. And yes. Some um, are better than others, I've read. The so. two that I have the most experience with are Anatolian Shepherds and Great Pyrenees. There oh, are, okay. you know, you have your Marmaraners, your Act. Akbash, um, your Central Asian Shepherds, like there's, a, there's, I think like 12 different breeds that are actual livestock guardian breeds. And I am one of those people that does adhere to if, if the dog is not a, a purebred between any mix of the actual breeds, it's probably not a true livestock guardian dog. If you breed your Anatolian Shepherd with a great Dane or a Labrador Retriever or, or St. Bernard or whatever, you may get a livestock guardian dog out of that meaning you may get a dog that's good with livestock or you may get a dog that's not because now you're mixing genetics and you don't know what you're going to get out of it. Right. And unfortunately, there's always going to be those other genetics with a higher prey drive than what your livestock guardian dogs have. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think you're seeing more like in the U.S. is, and in fact, I Well, was that's just, a good point because basically you're, you're trying to make sure that the dog yeah. never thinks of his own herd as, as food. Right. If you're mixing like a Anatolian Shepherd with a Yellow Lab, because you know with some people they look very similar, and you get this dog that looks like an Anatolian Shepherd, but it's not 100% Anatolian Shepherd. Well, a Yellow Lab is a bird dog. What do you think that dog is going to do when it sees your chickens and your ducks? It's probably going to go after them because that's what they're yeah. bred to do is to retrieve things. Yeah. So and even if it doesn't mean to actually hurt them, it could. Now that's not saying your Anatolian Shepherd won't either because there's you know, a lot of controversy over whether livestock guardian dogs actually bond with chickens or not, or poultry, or if they just kind of learn to leave them alone and guard their pastures. That's a whole nother debate. That's a whole nother hour long session. <laughs> so any really animal that I find that we have the ability, I feel like I've done better in the last few years to more look at, okay, can we reasonably keep this animal safely and keep everybody else safe in the meantime, too? Because that's part of it when you're bringing in an animal, whether it's livestock, dog, whatever. You don't know, like the unknown. And oh, you yeah. have to be able to like, take care of the ones that you have now. And biosecurity is really important to us, too, because um, we spend a lot of money to get all of our herd tested every year. And, we, you know, that kind of makes me a little more hesitant to bring in livestock necessarily that are in rescue situations than um, like dogs and stuff because it's easier to kind of keep them separated and keep everybody safe and stuff like I that. I mean, how do you break up fights and stuff? I mean, 11 cats, there's going to be some some issues, no? Um, well, so I, I'm like, okay, so we have 11 cats and I always follow that up with, yeah, I have 11 cats, but it's okay because two of them live outside. <laughs> So two, two of them are barn cats? Two of them are barn cats. <laughs> okay. Out of like the eight that we've gotten to be barn cats, two of them are actual legitimate barn cats and are happier being outside, being in the barn, um, and just being loved on and coming in when they feel like it. I have one that kind of comes in when he feels like it, he goes out when he feels like it, and he is he's actually really bonded to one of my great Pyrenees, and he kind of just follows him around. Um, whatever barn, he, him and his live soccer, and that's where that cat is, which is kind of nice. And then I have another one that she just, she lives in the hayloft. That's where she wants to be. And, you know, she's very loving with one of my kids. And she'll let me scratch her. Like, you know, she'll let me pat her enough to 
do like the flea tick deworming stuff like that that we do um but other than that she's really my daughter's cat um and then the other nine live inside yep <laughs> they just all they just they figured out a coexistence so i mean for the most part we i mean we have the occasional like where you all get in like a little tiff or whatever that's been more recently and it's always the same one that's instigating it but really what i found is pretty much everybody has their own litter and that makes it easier because cats don't like to share litter boxes so we have thankfully we have a basement and it's pretty large so you know we have this like row of cat litters like lined up and everybody uses their own and that seems to help little name tags no but we should do that that'd be cute (laughs) and then you know making sure the food never runs out because cats get a little um catty when there's like the food (laughs) runs out um and it sounds like you can trust them not to just eat all of the food in two seconds and throw up I well, I mean that happens, but <laughs> it, um, by a, you know they they coexist pretty well. Yeah, I mean, well, the two it helps. Like we have like the basement, the main floor, and then we have uh, upstairs too, so they can kind of get away from each other when they want to, and okay. and they do that. And they're bonded with the kids too, so you know, each kid has a you know a handful of cats, a following of cats yeah. <laughs> that prefer them over the other. Yeah. My seventeen-year-old, it's funny because they'll come downstairs and it's like. You know, five cats will just be them all around the house. And we'll be like, oh, they must be in the bathroom or whatever. Because, like, we'll have, like, five cats sitting outside the bathroom door waiting for the kids to come out. And I was like, so I was like. So I noticed in your YouTubes that in, in your YouTubes. I, I went on to the YouTube and I looked <laughs> at your say. YouTubes. I saw one where you were you were building some gates in your barn. Oh, and yeah. it was, like, double speed so you could see how you were building it. And one thing I'm always fascinated by is we all try to use whatever we find laying around. <laughs> yes. So it's like rather than go and buy all these building materials, like, well, I have this old panel from a dog kennel. That would probably make a pretty good gate. And, yeah. and we have them out here. We've, we've done that kind of thing here. But you've, built, you've used pallets and <laughs> yes. other stuff and secured it, and it seems to be working for you pretty well. I mean, mm-hmm. what's, what's the weirdest thing that you've had to build from, like, found <laughs> materials? Well, I'm going to let you take this because <laughs> it's not weird for me because this is how I grew up. <laughs> so there was one time where she was like, we need to go buy some more chickens. And I didn't think we did, but we did. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, all of the cages that we have right now are occupied. So how are we going to get these chickens? I don't want chickens in the back of my car just flying around. Meaning like a cage to bring them home in. Okay, right. gotcha, gotcha. They yeah, were, a they, transportation cage. Yeah, they weren't, you know, little hatchlings or whatever. They were, like chickens. you know, adult chickens. So we had these plastic bread trays, like what you see bread delivered to grocery stores on. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the stackable bread trays. <laughs> and we used... Four or five of those, and we used zip ties and a, and a scrap piece of chicken wire, and we made this box that was big <laughs> enough for, like, four chickens. Yeah. And we showed up and opened the car, and they were like, all right, where's your cage for the chickens? And the look we got from those people <laughs> was we were crazy, but it worked, and we used it several other times after that. Well, yeah, and the funny part is because, you know, as you probably figured out, a lot of people kind of started the homesteading thing and farming thing after COVID, during COVID. And they're yeah. like, hey, I'm going to do this. We're working from home. Let's live off the land. Let's do that. And that's great. Yeah. I think it's awesome that we have that spike in it because I think it's always good when people try to be more self-sufficient and grow their own food and healthier and things like that. Um, but, you know, some people decided, hey, this isn't for me. Yeah. I've had chickens for mm-hmm. six months, and I don't even really like having chickens anymore. Mm-hmm. They're like, right. you know. So when we showed up, it was like one of those situations where they're like, you know, just just take them away. We we don't want chickens anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not that they weren't. They were well cared for. They were well loved. They were well fed and everything. But they just, you know, found this wasn't for them. Right. And normally when we go to pick up chickens or whatever, we assume people understand livestock enough to know don't let the chickens out during the day if you're going to sell the chickens to somebody that afternoon before they go in and roost. Because otherwise, you're chicken, chasing chickens all around the yard. Yeah. Yep. So we show up, and there's, like, these 20 chickens, like, that are just everywhere. Oh, my gosh. And we're like, <laughs> I should have brought the fishing net. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm thinking, like, they, 
would have so they didn't so it was one of those situations so that's why i think we got that look because it wasn't like we were going to another established farm that's probably done the same or similar type of yeah. of thing with maybe not necessarily bread mm-hmm. trays but hey it works when we first got our first three goats and they're like where's the cage i'm like oh no i'm just gonna sit in the back with them yeah <laughs> So she did. Yeah, I did. She did. And we, it was not that fun. We, we almost never have the seat up because we have like two back seats in our... Yeah. We've got the exact same black Honda CRV As everyone else. That most of the state of Maine seems to have. And we never have the seats up because we're always putting stuff in the back. Right. But we actually put one of the seats up so she could sit back there. And she held one and the other two walked around. And he's like... Okay. <laughs> so we we've done that with goats. We've done that with baby cows. Yeah. Goats on several occasions, both in our old truck and the Jeep we used to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean. Now we've got a, a proper like dog cage that we can put them huge in. Ones. So yeah, like even though we raise animals for for food, that's you know part of what we do. Like we're getting this cow, and I'm like it's this baby cow, mm-hmm. and. I don't want to stick it in a crate in the back of the truck. It's going to get stressed out on the way home. And then it's going to get sick. And then, like, you know. So, of course, it goes in the back of. <laughs> at the time, it was a different truck we had. It was is nice Ford F-150 with, like, a nice big crew cab, the big doors. It was a very nice And there was truck. a cow in the back of it. And I was like, well, put a tarp down. It'll be fine. Put a tarp down. Put some hay down. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And, you know, of course, you get those looks. So the farmer's like, you know, you're, you're raising this food duty. I'm like, yeah, but I want it to have this really great life until, you know, that. Until the day comes. Until the day comes. <laughs> and so that's kind of our philosophy is, like, you know, we, we treat them nice and with respect and everything until that day comes. And then we try to do that as respectfully as possible, too. And, you know, I don't want them in the back of the truck. And we've done that with goats. Like, So the cow's just, like, laying down in the back of the truck? Yeah, like you put a tarp Laying down, down, standing up, licking the windows. So it's like back in the, like, late 70s, early 80s, we used to do that. Yeah. For those of you who are younger, (laughs) back in the day, it's really surprising that any of us Gen Xers are still alive because Mm -hmm. we would stand up in the back of pickup trucks and adults would drive us around. And nobody seemed to be upset about this. Like, nobody was upset. That's kind of like the 90s in Maine, at least around here. Like, I remember driving in the back of my dad's pickup truck on a bale of hay or whatever. Like, hey, hold this down while we go up the road, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no helmets, no, like, anything. And and I I think back now, it's like, I was five miles from home at the top of a tree with no identification. If I fell, they would have just taken me to some hospital. And unless I can verbally tell them who I am, there's no Mm -hmm. way for my parents to find me. And I was like, how did... How how is there not just a giant like gap in the population <laughs> from all of us like having bicycle accidents or whatever? Yeah. yeah, I just didn't really do stuff like that. Yeah, I know you were always like a good kid, and was, that's still the case. You're always the you're the more responsible one. I'll yeah. be honest. I'm the I'm the dreamer. Arguably, he should be here, and I should have like fallen out of a tree. In the in the nineteen yeah. late eighties, that's that's like what would, what you would expect to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm not much of a risk taker. No. Uh, <laughs> you married me. I don't know why. I, you stole my joke. <laughs> I was going to say I didn't know I was taking a risk when I said I do. Yes, you did. I was uh, very honest. The though. farm stuff was a surprise. That that I didn't Oops. think was going to take the direction it took. <laughs> That's kind of another joke. I was like, did you ever think in your life you would be like... And I like, cut her off and I say no. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I didn't say to him. Like, <laughs> like, we have a duck in our bathtub right now. Like, you know, like, did oh, you ever yeah. think in your life you would have like a duck in your bathtub? And he's like, no, I never thought I would even have a duck. <laughs> no, I never thought I would bottle feed goats or cows. I mm-hmm. never thought that I would do half the things that I've done with the yeah. farm stuff. But, yeah. you know. <clears throat> but you have to learn how. And you end up with all these like weird half skills like carpentry with a lowercase c because i i don't know how to frame i I might have to build a building or a coop or something and if somebody says are those like so many inches on center it's like um first no (laughs) second you're gonna have to sit me down and tell me i I, I keep hearing people say on center i don't know what that is it's barely on level (laughs) and that (laughs) so we have to laugh because we have two ways to, to we do, we build things around the house my way and his way yeah 
if you do it my way, it's let's just get this done because we need it done right now. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, it could be like leaning way over. I'm like, it's functional for what we need right now. His way is let's measure twice. Let's measure a third time just to make sure everything's like level and like correct and like just done the way the YouTube masters say to do it, right? It's like <laughs> perfect. And me, I'm just... No, just throw a couple pallets together and throw a tarp over it. I'll be fine. <laughs> the thing is, when you're watching YouTube <laughs> carpenters, you know, like ed education is its own skill. Like there's the skill of doing the thing, and then there's the extra skill of education, and you yes. have to have somebody that has both of those skills because otherwise, you see a guy doing a whole bunch of stuff. He's eyeballing a bunch of stuff that no one else can. Like he's been doing this for thirty years. He can eyeball it. Nobody else can eyeball it. Or somebody takes a, yeah. a, a skill saw that goes, eh, and it's perfectly straight, and there's no like indication of, first, take uh, 35 years and develop your skills with these tools, and then you can, I mean, it barely measures things. So I try to avoid, if I see a guy that's too good, like, I'm not going to, he's going to leave me behind. But if I also don't want somebody that's like me, that's like, well, I'm going to try this, come check my YouTube channel in six months to see if I regret it. Right. <laughs> 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 it's hard to find like the right person and sometimes yeah. you have to look at like several before you can figure it out so yeah we're just you know there's always a shifting need for something and, and you know we've built stuff and we've taken it down and we've used that stuff in other applications or other places around the farm so you know we have this stack of building material scrap and bits and pieces from various projects behind our barn. You know, it's the shameful place that's disorganized that no one <laughs> oh, yeah. sees. The shameful place that's never on the camera, by the way. Um, so, yeah. you know, we just kind of figure it out as we go. And some of the things that were built the Jessica way are still standing. I don't know how. <laughs> and all I'll wing of, in a prayer. I'll all wing of in a the prayer. things that were built the Michael way are definitely still standing. Yes. So. Yeah, that is definitely true. Like, I think we've learned now more to play to each other's strengths so if it's one of those things like okay we would love to be able to spend the money and the time to just build this the right way but we really just either can't afford it at this moment or we can't afford the time yeah. to do it because oh, we yeah. both work full time too so we'll be like all right let's just wing it and let's put it up you know and i'll run that project and if it's something that you know we want to last and we're going to invest the time and the money to do it the right way then i'm like okay you're in charge of this project tell us what to do and generally that means me and the older kids at the time that were still living at home before they uh, moved out would go do all the demolition stuff because we're really good at destroying things and ripping them apart. <laughs> and he's really good at coming back in and putting it all together nice and neat and beautiful. Okay, so here's the next question. Both of you have full-time jobs, as you said. We do too. I'm, I'm lucky enough that I, I write code for a living and I get to log in and work remote. And Kara runs a home bakery, which dominates a lot of her time. All of my time. And for us... Which is good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's nice to have the income, but... but the cookies are amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that right now. For us, we have we have land that was not a farm before, so we have to clear land, we have to cut trees, we have to do all kinds of, like, all getting started things. kind of stuff. And it's an, an incredible amount of work, and it takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And it's an effort for me to find time to edit this podcast. So you guys have, like, we have like 6.9 acres, and I think the cleared part is what, a acre, couple acres? I think two acres maybe. Maybe, maybe that we have clear, you know, that we're using. So we've, had, we've got more that we need to open up, and I don't know how much land you guys have, but you have a lot of animals, a lot going mm -hmm. on. So how much time is, I mean, it's, it's essentially both of you have two full-time jobs, right? Yeah. So we're fortunate in the fact that... Um, Michael works from home, and I'll let him tell you what he does um, because I honestly don't fully know 100%. <laughs> you two are going to get along great because it's something to do with computer, like, nerdy stuff. I don't know. Um, and I, uh, I also, but I work away from the house. And our property was a big farm back in the day, um, and then my parents did a small ho hobby farm, and... Um, a lot of the cleared out spot probably grew back up because they just, I mean, pigs will come in and they'll just eat everything and anything and they root it up and they're great if you want to have a garden spot there someday, like put your pigs where you want to have a garden because they'll root it all up for you. They'll find all the cool treasures and then, mm -hmm. you know, 
and they fertilize it for you at the same time so that's cool I honestly um, we don't have pigs we have goats and that's kind of a, I mean that's kind of what I think we're gonna focus more on because I think when you start you like to try a bunch of different things and you're like okay this worked or that worked or that you know didn't work like for a while we had rabbits and I love rabbits they're cute they're adorable and honestly we, we made a we made money on the rabbits not in the way you would think we made money selling their droppings that's oh, our, yeah. their biggest money maker <laughs> that we had on the farm was selling rabbit poop but then we decided you know hey we really don't enjoy doing this mm -hmm. why are we doing it if we don't enjoy it we is it that good for fertilizer oh yeah it's like the best fertilizer because you can dump it straight on your garden okay because it doesn't burn the plants or anything so it can go straight from the rabbits to the garden mm -hmm. and i mean we had people i mean we had more orders than we could fill for rabbit yeah. poop it was crazy but we didn't you know again we, our point was we would raise food for our family and when you know we, I can't process a rabbit. I can't do it. I just, I can't do it. There's certain animals I just cannot do. And it's not worth paying somebody to do it because it's pretty difficult to skin them right and do whatever. So it, it's just not cost feasible and they're just adorable. And again, you get too attached to it. So sold the rabbits, you know, that kind of thing. But we have 30 acres, 30 acres of land. Yeah, and probably only about two of it, it, you know, has the house and the farm. Five. That's five, five acres. Yeah. Okay. Five. Yeah, I know because I had to. Yeah. Okay, so you're using five out of thirty. Uh, we're using probably this last summer we were at about seven that we're using out of the thirty. Okay. So um, you've got room. Oh yeah. You... The the goal is to have the top probably ten acres farm and then the back twenty acres for hunting because my family hunts. I'm I'm a hunter myself. When I find time to go out and do it, and if there's a need mm -hmm. to do that, you know. So that's kind of the ultimate goal. So, a lot of it is, you know, we, I don't even remember the question, I'm sorry. I was going to say, let's I'm circle rambling. back to the question, which is, just, <laughs> you know, you edit this, right? That's all right. He work, does this all the time. The work no, life yeah. and farm life. Yeah, balance, oh, is there a balance? Like, <laughs> what, is, you, what does you, that mean? Guess, what does balance mean? It wasn't, so much a, it wasn't so much a question as kind of a, just let's talk about it, because we, we both, we all have multiple jobs. We, yeah. we all, the farm is a job yes. on top of our day job. So it's yeah, like I have the big green, the farm, and I have the nonprofit. So technically, I have three full-time jobs, yeah. and yeah. one always is. And the nonprofit's slacking. not going to be that bad once it's it's like getting an airplane off the ground. Mm -hmm. So she's still right. learning the paperwork, and that's the hardest part is getting that going. Yeah. Though. Yeah. I think so. I think for small businesses in general, because I also run a small craft business, my big seller is I sell uh, reusable paper towels or the unpaper towels mm -hmm. um and we so we do the craft fairs and things like that and i think for me anyway my because we get asked this question a lot how do you make money on a farm i'm like who makes money farming right. <laughs> and i mean like what kind of question are you asking like are you looking at you just want to help pay for some of the costs like offset <laughs> some of it but you're still taking a loss or do you want to break even or do you actually want to make this like so much money that you can stay home and this will be your full-time gig i'm like because those are three really different questions right. yeah. and you know for, for most people the time and commitment and effort you're going to have to put into it to make that your full-time job you either one don't have the time to do it don't have the startup cash to actually be able to do that or like you just don't have the drive so I tell people if you're gonna try it find something you're passionate about and stick to that because you know a lot of people are like well I'm going to do this because it's going to make money I'm like okay but do you like doing it Mm -hmm. Right, like the rabbit. Pool. No, I don't. Like, like, no, I don't like it. I'm like, but I, yeah. you know, but I got to make income. You know, if I'm going to stay open, I'm like, I understand you have to make a living. I said, but if you if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to spend 12 hour days and your weekends doing this thing that you hate just to make money. You might as well just go get a regular nine to five job or whatever. I'm like, you know, so um, for me, yeah, because then you can walk away. Like, if you hate your nine to five, you clock out, you leave. Right. If you hate your hobby farm you're right. still there <laughs> if, if you don't like collecting rabbit poop to sell like you're just that's you're not going to spend 12 hours a day doing it and expand it doesn't make any sense but if you love goats and i love our goats and i love spending time with them it's kind of a um it's very relaxing it's it's my it's my happy place mm -hmm. it's my, uh, everybody has to have a happy place and you know my goats and my dogs my livestock guardian mm -hmm. dogs being out there it's just you know, that's how I cope with things. Goats do have a way of bringing your blood pressure down. Sometimes. Just uh, well, depending on what you're doing. <laughs> Except Belfast. Except for Belfast. Bel yeah. Belfast is the There's one that one. is, he's the one that would get his head stuck in the yeah. feed bag when we were yeah. doing the bags in the beginning. Uh, he's the one that 
We needed the double gate for. Yeah, double gate is because of him. He can out. Uh, <laughs> luckily, they wouldn't run off the property. It's just that if I didn't properly mow everything outside the gate, they were looking at that grass. He's and the one that got up on the roof of the chicken house or the duck house. Sorry. It's now it's the duck house. Yeah. yeah. It was originally the goat's house, but I, I put some pine shavings. I was about to use them, and I put four of them just up against that storage shed that's next to the duck house. And that shed is too tall for them to jump on. Mm-hmm. But if they have anything to use as a stepping stool, it's no problem. So he went up, and he had been eyeballing that tree for a long time, and he was just like eating the leaves of that tree by the big mouthful. And I was like, I don't know how we're going to get him down. And then Kara's like, oh, no. Like, no he's a goat. He's not going to fall, but he's also not going to come down. He's at least eating the entire tree. <laughs> right. So she went back inside and got um, – in those days, we didn't have as many goats. I think we had eight yeah. at the time. <laughs> and she got some Cheerios in a little plastic container, and she shook them. Chicka, 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 chicka. They all know that sound, and he came down, and I kicked away yeah. the pine shavings. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think, like, having a good – like trying to, because they always talk about farm planning, like planning your farm and, you know, different things that you want to do. And although we we, tr- we do try to do that, um, I can't say we always stick to it because sometimes necessity overrules the plan. Necessity or a cute animal. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Um, so in the summer, it's easier because you can have hoses. We have oh, yeah. hoses Gosh, everywhere yes. and we kind of try to make it so like, you know, it's it that's a little bit easier. All of our all of our animals are trained to the sound of grain. So like if we shake it, they come running. So it makes it easier to move them around. Um, so that kind of stuff. And then in the, it, we, I feel like we spend the entire summer planning for the next winter. Like what worked last winter, what didn't work, what do we want to do different to make our lives easier in the winter? Um, well, so I feel like we, the winters have been different past few years too. So you almost yeah. can't use last year's solutions for this year. Yeah. So it's kind of, I mean, it, it's good to have them, but, I feel like next winter is going to hit us with something different. Yeah, like this winter, a good example of that, because like we moved all of our female goats up to our front lawn paddock. So like I can literally walk off my front porch and go into like the goat paddock, and they have their own little barn there, and like they're all right there. So because we're hoping three, three, at least three of our does are pregnant, and we're hoping that like, they deliver. But obviously, I want them right up there so I can hear them, and you know, our bedroom windows like right on that side too. But then, with all the wet weather, <laughs> but with yeah. not all the wet weather, you know that we didn't think of. Oh, it's going to rain. You know, it's kind of gotten a, like a little soggier. Whereas in the normal, well, a normal winter, the ground would all be frozen and you'd be right. fine. Right. So there's those kind of things that you know we got to have to account for for next year. Okay, what are we going to do about that? But I think there's going to be so many French drains in the coming year or two. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely want to make one. I know exactly. I was watching where the water would freeze and where it would flow because we're at the top of a hill. We're on the shelf where the house is and the road is, and then it just goes down behind us. And that's been helpful during the wet times because, like, mud season typically ends up here pretty quick, and then it ends in different stages as you go back down the hill. Yeah. (laughs) Different places, and every place where the ground kind of makes a shelf, that stays wet for muddy for a long time until it can seep away. Uh, But... We're definitely going to have to have some kind of drainage system if we ever want to access the rest of the acres. Yeah. Like once we clear it, because in the winter or in mud season, it would be totally shut off for us. We're going to have to build a road with drainage. Yeah. Now, are, are you guys on like relatively level ground? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it, nothing is level, and it's all like an inch under the topsoil is just rock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It makes any sort of fence system very difficult um, because you just it, it's really difficult to work through that and or around it so mm-hmm. we've had to get creative with fencing yeah. and stuff or pallet fencing <laughs> yeah so how's that working for you do the goats get their heads stuck because your goats have horns yes um do you need to get stuck ever or not on the fencing no not on the pallet fencing they it's a bird escape some um, the, the big thing with, if you're going to have goats with horns, which I, again, I, I try to do things as close to how they would live in the wild if possible. Um, and, you know, I think I also got scarred a little bit too, cause, um, I had some farmer friends when we were earlier on with goats that, um, the vet, when they dehorned them, they went too far and then it ended up like causing like brain damage. And then this baby goat oh. died and I'm like, Oh God, like, that. okay. Mm. Not like do we have to do this? Like, mm-hmm. we're not showing our goats because, again, you know, I don't 
like I'm not against any of that or whatever, but that's just not what I'm passionate about. I don't want to, I'll go watch them, but I don't want to show my goats because, you know, I don't want my goats around other people's goats catching stuff. So, um, and so for us, it's like, you know, having the horns actually is helpful when you need to catch them, like if they're running around or if I need to hold them to, to give them their um, copper or anything like that, it's helpful. But really the big thing, if you have goats that have horns, if you're going to use regular fencing to make sure it's like the, the goat fencing that has like the smaller um, mm -hmm. weave to it or the smaller um, size, I think it's like a four by four versus like the big cattle. Because a lot of people will, you know, you're all trying to save money, right? So they'll get the cattle fencing, which has like the bigger hole. So then the goat's head can fit through it. Right. But it can't come back out without taking the fence with it. Right. Which they will if they're a strong enough billy. Like, they're going to take that fence back with it. So um, I used to wonder why anybody would pick that fence because we have the 2-inch by 4-inch grid. But we don't have as much. Like, if, if you're trying to do a giant pasture, then you're having to buy a lot more fencing material. Yeah. And that's going to change, like, what you choose to use. Oh, absolutely. So I can, I can see where people would, I mean, especially if they have cows, they might want to get the big stuff. Right. Or, I mean, plus there's a lot of, like, older dairy farms in, in or empty dairy farms now in Maine. Um, it's pretty sad, I actually, <laughs> just think of all the dairy farms that we've lost. Mm -hmm. um, and so if they already have existing cattle fencing, they're not going to yeah. rip it down and put up goat fencing because now they've moved to goats or something smaller. You're going to use what you have, but... And that point again, you're okay. You're you're gonna have to check it regularly because if you go get stuck, you know you're gonna right. have a problem there. I have mixed feelings about dehorning, to be honest, because all of ours are, but they still headbutt. And if they had their horns, they it'd be a little safer because they'll headbutt and then they'll mm -hmm. have like a cut on the top of their head because that drive yeah. is there. And on the one hand, if they had their horns, their head would be protected by the horns. Yeah. But on the other hand, if they lean back or something you could get stuck by a horn when we first started out with goats we because i was like i'm gonna have a fiber farm this is gonna be great and i don't know why i decided i wanted to have a fiber farm because it's not like i spin or anything like that i just <laughs> you know again the animals are adorable and i was like i'm gonna have a fiber farm this will be great and so we went with the angora goats which are absolutely beautiful they they have a great docile temperament i love angoras if you like fiber you like shearing goats definitely you know, recommend them, but with angora goats, you can't dehorn them because so much of their body temperature and regulation is through their horns, actually. Mm -hmm. So that's when I actually started learning about why goats have horns and what the purpose of them are and why they need them or whatever. But again, if you're going to show, like, dairy goats, you have to dehorn them. Like, they, they don't allow you to show them with, with horns. So... Again, I'm not against it. if people want to dehorn the animals. Everybody makes the decisions. We kind of have a rule, your farm, your rules. Yeah. So, you know, your farm, you set it up the way it works for you. And, you know, we'll do the same. And I think, in general, I think there's a big respect for for that. I, I, I mean, yeah. I got to admit, I would definitely like to have a couple of handles on Magner's head. <laughs> uh, our, our goat, Magner's, he's a little guy. and He's got a zinc deficiency. Mm. And so his winter cashmere didn't come in this year. So... Kara did everything in her power to feed this goat zinc tablets. I wrapped she, it in marshmallow, wrapped it in craisins, like anything I could think of that was gluten-free. We tried cereal bars that were gluten-free. He's just like, no. And he, and he gets smart to it. I'm on to you, man. Yeah. And he, he gets wise to it and they're like, no, this is a trap. I don't want that. You know. So now she ordered the liquid stuff and we have a, a syringe, yeah. mm -hmm. like no needle, just a right, just the syringe part. And I basically grab him in the morning before I let the goats out, and it's kind of like you get—you have to be quick giving them vaccines. Yeah. So, so if you're if you do the vaccine real quick, then the goat doesn't get bothered as much. But if you do it wrong, then you're both going to be sorry. Yeah. But so with these squirting syringes, I've gotten to where I can get a lock in his head, open his mouth a little bit, shove it in there, and he's done. Yeah. You know, but he definitely because goats are smart, so he's like. Mm -hmm. I can't sneak up on him now. He knows what's going to happen. He knows I'm coming. Yeah. Yeah. Usually yeah. when it comes to doing vaccines or hoof trimming or anything like that, I'm the the one who is designated to wrangle the goat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so having the, the horns makes it easier uh, because you can steer where they're going and it gives you one or two things to hold on to to hold them into place. But you do definitely have to be careful of you know, where the pointy ends are. 
but I don't know, I'm kind of used to that now. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I haven't caught a horn, you know, in the arm or the stomach or the leg or wherever, just in the process of doing the regular goat maintenance or, you know, just being out there with them because they're not very self-aware all the time of where their horns are. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. And they grow. Like, they just keep growing and growing. So I think, like, you know, it's they sometimes forget how big their horns are. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty lucky that we have we have very docile bucks, too. Like, our, our boys are very, very docile. They're very um, mm. chill for the most part. Two like, out of three. Yeah, Franklin's <laughs> kind of a little bit of a... Yeah, it wasn't Franklin that I was... Which one do you think isn't? Loki. Oh, yeah, he can kind of be. But not, like, towards people. He's just, like... Loki doesn't like me very much. Oh, well, no. he likes so, me. So, wait, the goat that's a troublemaker is named Loki? Yeah. It's very convenient. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, we have a dog that's named Loki, and then we have two boy goats. Um, no, a dog that's named Odin. Odin, there you go. And two boy goats. One's Loki, and one is Thor. <laughs> and then Franklin is the baby boy. Yeah. And we don't need a third buck. But he just happened to be like adorable and the first so, born, the first boy that was born. So we kept him. So, as we approach an hour, let's let's close by talking about the YouTube channel. Gotcha. So how did you guys decide to go to YouTube? I'll let you take this one. Yeah, but I feel like I've talked a lot. Wait, that's normal. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um, but I feel like the YouTube was kind of your idea. I don't remember it that way. Oh, <laughs> I do. I think the the wanting to start the YouTube was, you know, a way to try to make some revenue for the farm, you know, to share the techniques that we, of how we run things, but also as a way to try to eventually bring in some money for the farm to help support the never-ending costs of trying to keep things going. So for me, I think it was like a lot of people's like, hey, why don't you have a YouTube channel? You know, why, why yeah. don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I was like, I don't know. I don't really have time to like video it or whatever. And again, like part of why, you know, at least I started back farming and everything is because I feel like those skills and those traits have been lost as the years have gone on. Like people just don't randomly know. Like, like I kind of think I took it for granted growing up with a family that were farmers. Like, my great-grandfather farmed, my grandfather farmed, my dad farmed. Like, I feel like, in a way, I kind of took it for granted. Yeah, I know how to do that. And for a while, like, I was younger, and I was like, you know, I want nothing to do with that lifestyle, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And then as you get older, you're kind of like, you know, hey, I I want my kids to at least know how to do this. Even if they choose not to, I want them to have those skills to be able to provide for themselves. And I think COVID kind of brought that to the forefront, too, because you couldn't just go to the grocery store and buy what you needed or what you wanted all the time because it wasn't in stock anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was kind of just preserving that knowledge a little bit. And then with the YouTube was kind of just making this documentary of how we started, why we started, what are these skills and stuff that we're trying to like make sure everybody knows. And, you know, for our own kids too, like, so they can go back and be like, Oh, that's like my parents. And you know, this is what they did. Or, really you know, embarrassing. Yeah, geez, that's my grandmother. And she was like totally nuts. And she built this <laughs> fence out of like pallets, you know? And it's just, I think to let people know, you don't have to have it all together. Like you can really yeah, literally be starting with a wing and a prayer. And like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's okay to not know everything right now. And it's okay if you don't have, like, we don't have a tractor and we joke about it all the time. Like, this would be so much easier if I had a tractor, you know, we don't have a tractor. We don't have any big equipment. We went like a year without a truck. So we were, like you said, shoving goats and cows in the back (laughs) of an SUV. And, you know, we just finally did break down and get another truck and, you know, things like that. Like, it's okay to start where you're at. And even if you do have a tractor this year with all the rain, I've barely been able to get, we, we have a, for those of you listening, we have a John Deere 1025R. It's basically the, we went from the largest lawn tractor to the smallest real tractor. And it's got a bucket and that's what we needed. But we can't take it down the hill in mud season. And yeah. almost this entire winter was mud season. You don't, unless you have a bunch of cash laying around, you're going to be making payments on that tractor. And we've been making payments on a, a subcompact tractor that, that sits in the garage, in the garage. <laughs> uh, and it's like it's easy to tell somebody you should get a tractor but i mean 
Well, yeah, and like for you got to make like, room for the budget. You have to, and I, I almost wish we'd waited. One of the big things, like we were like, oh, if we got a tractor, we could get one of those fancy post hole diggers, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm like thinking about all this and like planning it out. And my dad comes along, who you know, he's he's I love my dad. He's a stereotypical old manor, like just when you think of. Maine, you think that my dad's picture should just be right next to it. Like, I tell you, it's so funny. And I'll be like, yeah, you know, I think I want to get this so I can get these post hole diggers. He goes, you know your whole property's ledge, right? <laughs> like, yeah, but he's like, no, like, you're going to go down two feet and you're going to hit ledge and that's not going to go any further. He's like, you're going to destroy that. You're not going to, he goes, what you need is, he's like, you just got to get a chisel and like, you got to break up the ledge and then I'm like, all right. So there goes like this whole thing about like my plan to get this and be able to like dig fence posts easier and stuff. I was like, yep, nope, he's right. Like a jackhammer attachment. Yeah, you need like a jackhammer attachment and to like break up the ledge in order to go down. And that's why if you see... My dad always said, like, that's why after the Civil War, everybody moved out of Maine because they realized, hey, there's places you can farm that don't have rocks everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, so, he goes, and that's why there's so many rock walls in Maine designating mm-hmm. boundary lines because people, like, farmers would be digging up and they just throw the rocks over on the mm-hmm. wall. And that's how it happened. And so it's just, it's kind of interesting to, to, to see that. And, yeah, so there went my whole plan. And that's why a lot of our fence, fencing, like the old, old fencing, is attached to trees. Because they couldn't dig post. The only place where there wasn't a rock, the tree found it. Right. The tree is there. And that's where the tree tree grew because it was like there was an opening in in the ledge just enough for it to sprout up. I felt a lot of relief when I was given permission by other people to have a fence that wasn't straight because of rocks. Because you can't put the T-post where you want it. No. And what's worse is you can get three or four in a perfect straight line, and then you hit the rock. Yes. And then, so you feel like, oh, I'm doing so well, and oh, oh no, and then you end up with a big zigzag. Mm-hmm. Or out here, we have a double gate to this area where we do goat yoga in the summer, and that entire fence was nice and straight until the place where I needed to put the gate down. And then I'm pulling bowling balls out of the ground, and like, all right, I've got these out. Now I should be able to, oh, there's another bowling ball. I think there's probably about 10 feet. Mm-hmm. Of just various different rocks laying on top of each other, and some of them I'm not. It's a matter of time before I get to one I can't lift. Yeah. And so I just kind of gave up. And a, a customer coming to the farm shop suggested that I get dog panel, dog kennel panels. Yeah. And get a couple of doors. You can buy the door section separately. Yeah. And so we just use that for a double gate, and it solved the problem. But Mother Nature allowed me to make a nice straight fence all the way around build up my hopes and confidence before she dashed my hopes right at the gate. Yeah. That's why we end up doing a lot of, like, I call them floating fences. And luckily, you know, they've worked out pretty well. Like, we've had animals that have been respectful of the fences because if we had cows or, you know, if we had larger breed cows or a whole pasture of them, we would probably resort to electric fencing to keep them in, which I'm not a huge fan of. But because, again, it's just, it's another... It's another whole big bill too. Like yeah. it's not even yeah. pay to energize the fence and everything else. And but we're pretty fortunate that way. We use the wood pallets to to hold up wire in some places. <laughs> but but to get great, between the fence posts because there's that's just the great thing about farming up here is that everyone you talk to has a story like that or something yeah. on their property that they have to do that's different. And every time I see like a video of someone else's property or they talk to me like, Oh, that's how you solve that problem. That's neat. Yeah. And I think that's a part of it, too, for the YouTube is, like, a lot of your big YouTubers are out in, like, Oklahoma or some of these, like, warmer states, and things are flat. I'm, like, I'm looking at this couple guys that I follow, and I look at their farm, and I'm, like, I am flatness envy. I never thought I'd be, like, envy of somebody's, like, pastures, like, completely flat. Right. I'm, like, where's the ledges? Like, where's all the rocks? I'd be, like, this is how to dig dirt. This is how to dig a fence post in rocky ground. And the rocks are, like, two inches, you know, oh, like, in, in diameter. I'm, like, that's not rocky gla- ground. When you're, like, using a sledgehammer going through, mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, rock bed, I go, that's that's rocky ground, which, ironically, we did this summer to put up a fence for our dogs. We oh, had our kid out there, like, she's, like, what are... She get down like the two feet. She's like, I can't go any further. What do I do? I go, well, you gotta get that sledgehammer. And I'm like, you gotta start chipping away at it. And I'm just like, I'm moving on. Another <laughs> foot over. Try again. <laughs> so we should close up. We're past an hour. Tell the folks your 
uh, social media credentials so we can find you? Pretty much everywhere, uh, Instagram, Facebook, it's uh, Goodwin's Farm 207, uh, YouTube, Goodwin's Farm 207. I think we're most active on social media on uh, Facebook. Yes. So find us there. Give us a follow. Yeah, we don't do the TikToks yet, um, and we don't really do Twitter. It's enough just to keep track of the Facebook and Instagram. And, oh, yeah. and so much. We're still desperately trying to find time for TikToks. Yeah. And we're like, man, they're editing an entire video, and we can't, we can't seem to find a moment to post a fifteen-second video. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, and that's like because YouTube came out with like YouTube Shorts to try to be competitive with like TikTok and stuff, and even that, like, we did really good for a while, and then we had a bunch of just life stuff happen, and um, just doing that now is like trying to find, like you said, fifteen seconds to find a video that's remotely okay to post. Like that's yeah. you know, going to be content somebody might actually want to see. It's hard. It's like it's, hard. it's cute for you, but does people really want to see that? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> There's a place for long form content because if you're, if you're in TikTok, you're always swiping, yeah. and if you don't, like you can't put TikTok down and work on something. Right. Uh, it, it's going to replay the same video over and over. But on YouTube, you can say this is going to be 13 minutes. I'm making my breakfast. You can play something and have it have it going while you're while you're walking around the kitchen and doing stuff. So there's. There's a, there's a good place for long-form video content. If you can manage to scrape up the time to edit it. Then put I think that's, like, kind of uh, the biggest problem, like, we have. Like, we find time to shoot the videos more than we do editing. And, and I say that in, the, in that, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to edit videos yet. I still have to learn. Michael does all of our editing. But, again, like, he works full-time. And he's also... He's also a writer. His that's his advocation as he writes horror novels. Oh, that's right. Oh, we so, forgot to get all right. That's in the next one. We're gonna yeah. go into that. We'll in the have next to one. do a part two. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we gotta so talk like, about that. Trying to find like time to edit something is is really <laughs> difficult because I keep him running all the time for all that other stuff. Yeah. Okay. We have that recorded, right? That she admitted <laughs> <laughs> yes. that she keeps me running. Uh, make true. me so I'm so tired that I don't. I will. Run. I'll be like, all right, I'm gonna like plan out an hour where I'm not gonna bug him at all. Like he's just gonna go in his office. He's gonna write, and then inevitably, like a goat goes in labor or something drastic happens, or you know what I mean, like some big crisis. So that's kind of can't oh, find yeah. the honey for your tea. But you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like like you said, a crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happened to us the other day. My Bray Bray got stuck to the ice. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. He, oh. he basically, in the super duper cold, they splashed in their three gallon tubs. He took his and bath and then he, he got on the side, laid in a puddle. It instantly froze and he was stuck. And Kara was all freaking out. And <laughs> I, I said, I came out with a couple of jugs of hot water, mm-hmm. poured it on it, to, and it didn't do the whole job. So she went and got a couple more. And we got them loose, so we put everybody inside their, their house for the rest of the day. We're like, Ooh. No more. Yeah. They're not coming out until we get to double digits tomorrow. So, yeah. Oh, so scary. So we'll have to engineer something for next year to avoid that problem. Every year, throw stuff at you. that you And it's like you said, we're going to spend this coming summer preparing for a similar winter. Yeah. And then nature will just laugh at us and throw us a totally different kind of winter. I'm going to say, I'm already tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true like because in the winter i feel like we got like a little bit of a break from the outside stuff yeah. and the fact that we, we're not really building anything it's just our normal maintenance for the rest of the winter until like the windstorm happened and then it was kind of like all right now we have yeah. to go rebuild a bunch of stuff but so i feel like in some ways it's kind of a little bit of a break as far as we're not we're not going out and doing fencing and building buildings in the winter you're just maintaining what you did all summer long and then summer hits and I'm like, all right, this is my time. Like every weekend's planned out. We got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do this. And crazy. And he gets exhausted. <laughs> so exhausting. Yeah. I'm so we'll, um, we're going to have to do this again cause this is fun, Yeah. but we should close up. Yeah. So everyone look for Goodwin's farm 207 on the social medias. Yep. And until then have a good, whatever you're doing. Bye. Bye. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.